0: And every oh,
1: year. I've uh, uh, oh, enjoyed one of oh, every <laughs> year. Outfit Luffin. Puts on the step. Goes
0: right through. Puts on the step again. Oh, go Freddy. That was magnificent stuff. Well, I shall not wear them. Parcel skips away. Parcel skips away. Parcel's still going. Mullins opens up again. Oh, look at him go. Davis on the outside. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast prepared to wear a fake Gavin Badger beard for three consecutive weddings and then have sex with the maid of honour with the same beard strategically placed somewhere else. I'm your host, Damon Brown, and today on the show, we'll be discussing all of the action from the last time we broadcast, including the postponement of the Roosters Bulldogs match. The improvement of Latrell Mitchell, the resurrection of old man Cameron Smith, and a whole lot more. But first, I'm joined by the only man who loves the roosters so much, he once purchased a life-size voodoo doll of Mitchell Pierce, just to get him removed from the side. It's, of course, Xander Risotto. Welcome to the show, mate. Cheers, mate. And it worked,
1: for the record. <laughs> uh, that, the, the, the toy dog managed to work a treat as well. I got a, a Mitchell Pierce set with a, with a bunch of booze, a fake apartment, and a little toy dog
0: put them all in the same spot and went to sleep wishing it had happened and it did. It's amazing and so where did you purchase that one from was it Haiti or where did you get it from I mean it sounds like an unusual item I oh, no. wouldn't have got it on Craigslist or anything No it was a Kmart buy. Oh Kmart. Kmart They had okay. a voodoo section. See my problem with that mate is I don't know if you need to dabble in the black arts to make Mitchell Pierce shit I think he's just that way naturally He might have just done it of his own volition I'm not, gonna, not going to take full credit but, but I did do all of those things what do just you do with the doll there. now? Now that Mitchell Pierce has gone, you've achieved your aim. What do you do with the life-size Mitchell Pierce voodoo doll? <laughs> your silence you is—it uh, <laughs> speaks volumes, <clears throat> mate. Um, really didn't want to get into too much detail, but no, that's okay. Let's make sure we don't do that. Uh, now, of course, uh, we are recording Xander from the iconic Media Watch Mario Studios and speaking into our lovely new Sports Best Friends microphones. And the decor is now dedicated entirely to perhaps the most misunderstood man of the last century, Mr. Todd Carney. Everything in the room is styled in the essence of Todd Zander, Uh, even my cat's pissing into its own mouth to achieve some (laughs) level of authenticity. What do you make of the uh, Carney drinking fountain in the corner there? Yeah, it's very tasteful. I mean, I don't Mm. know if what comes out of it is, but that's genuine piss, mate. That's urine. And not just my urine, I managed to get Todd's urine. So just in case he's short of alcohol. That's all he was doing. He was exercising sort of proper uh, RSA laws, Todd Carney, when I've had too many. Uh, So at this point, I'm better off drinking my own piss. He is a very misunderstood man. Now, before we chip the ball over the top and goose step around some of the big issues in the world of rugby league, a quick reminder, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Eamon Brown on LinkedIn. You can also follow Xander Risotto on Twitter on the handle at New Roosters Logo. And if you spare a few seconds to rate or comment on the show, uh, on something like Apple Podcasts, for example, I will happily self-flagellate on the Harbour Bridge with a rusty chain. Seems a bit harsh to make me do that, but anything for a podcast rating, as I say, always Zender. But look, we're going to open up the show today. We're talking postponements, mate. Now, this is the world of COVID. It's not the delay of Mary McGregor's bloody execution in Wollongong. Uh, This is actually to do with Aidan Tolman's kids. Now, apparently, his kid goes to school with a teacher who was tested positive. Uh, He showed a bit of honesty, Xander. He actually contacted the club, who then contacted the NRL and said, I may be some kind of risk. And as a result, we got booted back a day. Uh, We're actually recording right now on the Monday. The game's about to kick off in 40 minutes' time. Um, How did you see that whole chapter, mate? Were you happy with the way the NRL handled that situation? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to fault them. Mm.
1: Uh, it does show that they have really taken the biosecurity stuff um, really seriously. Mm. I mean, it did feel... I mean, in the context of what's gone on lately, we we've had... Um, I, I grant that this is not exactly a um, an apples-to-apples apples comparison, but, you know, we've had mass protests across the country and everything like that. I appreciate that those protests aren't a singular corporation that do have to have uh, specific biosecurity agreements, and mm. it's more just, you know the chaos of general society. I, I thought um, you were gonna blame Aidan Tolman for that. <laughs> yeah. Well that's a bit much. Well I mean the sharks, you know, I mean they they, they haven't they probably could do more with uh, to to assist with the general social cohesion. You know he's it, from the dogs though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Same thing really. Um both not areas with great integration. The two places you'd yeah. never live. No. Um but yeah, I think it showed that they have really taken the whole thing seriously. It does look a little bit over the top in the context of the last couple of weeks. Mm. But I think it's probably necessary just to assure all of their their sponsors and broadcast partners that
0: they're not going to take any risks. Is this another testament to the great Peter Volandis? You know, he was derided, laughed at by some quarters for putting on a sham biosecurity proposition. Everyone thought it was all talk. What would the NRL know about medical science? Mm. But this sort of vindicates him a little bit, doesn't it? And the NRL, because this would seem like a very remote risk. And yet, from what we're hearing, Aidan Tolman may not play for two weeks. He may actually have to be forced to go into quarantine. Mm. He's already tested negative. Some are saying it's an overreaction. I hear Dean pay his rope a But if anything, it is testament to the fact the NRL is taking this thing seriously. Well, yeah, and I mean, to be fair, the only only people out there who
1: didn't think that there was um, any medical expertise in the NRL was Peter Fitzsimons. <laughs> it's, um no prizes for guessing uh, which sport he hates most. They were always going to be quite cautious, just given that they were first, and, and they, they clearly did have a lot of experts
0: you know advising them, mm. this kind of shows that. And generally speaking, people uh, who wear bright red bandanas don't generally have the greatest medical advice, as we know. There are not too many brain surgeons wearing the bandanas. Well, I mean, they do wear scrubs. They kind of look like bandanas. They're usually mm. blue, though. I'd be I happy actually... if Peter Fitzsimons wore it over his face.
1: <laughs> I, I, I've noticed lately he, he's ditched the bandana a bit. I've seen mm. him on, on Nine Sunday Sport. He's occasionally not not wearing it anymore. It's, mm. it's quite interesting. Well, it's a stigma at this
0: point because he's been such a dickhead for so long. Yeah, it's like he's trying to prove to people that his head actually isn't in the shape of a penis. <laughs> he's, he, Is him a... taking the bandana off a bit like a, an on-air circumcision? <laughs> I don't know if that's I always, the, I always thought the bandana was to cover it up. But um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I assume, because he's quite a bald chap, um, that he put the bandana on to sort of disguise the fact that he's bald. But if he, if he takes it on and off again, all that's really doing is actually accentuating the chrome dome.
1: No, so the, the, he has actually explained it in in past. It was... On he was on holiday with his family and like one of his kids gave him uh, the bandana Mm. um, as as a gift and you know it's quite a a nice story like that he he liked it so much he he thought he'd, he'd really wear it and show his appreciation I think the problem is is that like that that is something that you need to do maybe for a couple of weeks to make your kid feel valued. Yeah, but he did it for five and a half years. Mm. <laughs> I kind of feel like now his kids are getting to the point where they're, you know, when one of his kids is a writer in her own right. Um, and you just, it, I think it's, it's bled into that, that territory of, of just being kind of ridiculous and, and yeah. a bit embarrassing for the kids. Like, he's now he's now flipped that on its head and is just
0: punishing the child. That's right. I mean, it's <laughs> a know? punishment being his kid to begin with. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it's a nice cover story. It's not true. Um, he's, he's just cover up his bald head. Um, but look, it, we did mention before Aidan Tolman's uh, tested negative. Could the NRL have simply slotted this game, Xander, in on a Sunday night? Now, as we said before, we're recording on the Monday They brought the Sunday night game, the second one, Mm. forward. In that meantime, they found out that Tolman had tested negative. Was it necessary for them to bump the game back a whole day? The only reason I ask that question is it does sort of disadvantage both the Dogs and the Roosters in terms of turnarounds Mm. for the next round, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I wondered about that. I mean, I'm sure there's probably some sort of a planning aspect to it where once the wheels are in motion, it's kind of hard to, to turn things back. they probably called the people and, and cancelled it straight away. I don't know. But you would think that if they had brought that one forward, that it, the logical decision is if you're going to take out Tolman uh, anyway, mm. that you would just flip those games around. But I don't know. Maybe maybe there was even a broadcasting aspect to it. There was considered a you know a, a game that was going to get more viewers, so it was better to put out to Monday.
0: I don't know. I don't know. It is a Bulldogs game. That sounds bullshit, doesn't it? Well, I mean, you know, the Roosters are playing, mate, right? and there they, are, might as, they are they, they are might one to of... chalk it up now, Xander.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they are. I mean, you know, the the Roosters are one of the highest rated. I know this is going to piss off the listeners, but the Roosters are one of the highest rated clubs for TV
0: viewing in, of any football code in Sydney. Mm. Um, oh, we, have a, we have a ton of these stats. I've got another one here for you. Look, they've got the longest dicks. We're uh, also the best looking. I don't know if anyone knows that out there in podcast land, but the Roosters, we're pretty good, mate. <laughs> that, that goes for the women's team. <laughs> yeah, Rowan Sims has always struck me as the type. Um, now, what if he did test positive? Xander, um, what would have happened then, do you think? Now, let's play the old thought experiment because we love that here on TVT. It strikes me as a bit of a nightmare, but I know that they must have a bunch of contingencies for this, you'd think. I assume they
1: probably would have had to cancel the game and get the entire team tested and probably quarantined for two weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but I would assume that they, they would have to do that. And then those games, they would be considered draws.
0: Oh, you think cancellation straight up? Huh? Well,
1: I mean, if, they, if they're going to... I mean. Judging by what they've done, mm-hmm. where well, they postponed it 24 hours, if Tolman had been positive and had still been training with all of his teammates and, and contacting them, they would have all been at risk. And therefore, all of them would have had to have followed the two-week protocol, which means they couldn't have played their next two rounds.
0: Mm. Um, and then you'd think if there's a two-week period of incubation, depending on when you yeah. know, the first point of exposure would have been between the child and Aiden, mm. then you'd have to potentially quarantine previous teams that he's coming into yeah, contact with. Yeah, yeah, true. You'd so have to get them all tested. There's a real ripple effect there yeah. that fucks the whole comp. That's right. You'd have I to- think next time Tolman should just sweep this under the rug. Fuck this. <laughs> this is t- way too complicated. Well, you
1: would probably have to do... I mean, I wonder if they, you could isolate it, right? Like, I wonder... I mean, if if Tolman and all of his interactions could be, I guess... I oh, know, you're right. You couldn't, like, contact trace and, like... Mm. You know, you, every person who touched would touch have, would, have, would have probably had some contact with someone else in the club. You, you, mm. would, you would have to do the entire You'd have suicide. to track all yeah. of his
0: family movements, yeah. all of his affairs, every prostitute he'd visited. It would be very difficult, logistically. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, no, I'm sure you haven't, Aiden. You strike me as a very faithful man. Uh, you'd have to be to stick with the dogs. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I did uh, laugh at something I saw on Twitter earlier. That was when we found out uh, for the first time that Aidan Tolman had tested uh, negative, mate, and it actually came up with the headline, Aiden Tolman in the clear. I remember thinking, poof, it's been about 10 years since that's happened. He hasn't been (laughs) breached the fucking defensive line in a while. Um, Wasn't a live update from a game. (laughs) No, it really wasn't. Uh, Full credit, though, to the Dogs and Aiden for coming forward. Uh, As I said before, they were the ones that actually proactively alerted the NRL. Knowing that the risk is so remote, mate, do you think that there could be teams down the track, given what they've seen, what's happened to the Dogs, the postponement, Tolman being rubbed out of the game for two games, maybe looking to sweep this kind of stuff under the rug? I'm not advocating for it, but can you envisage teams going, that's a big penalty for being honest? I can envisage uh, a um, Shane Flanagan-led team doing that, <laughs> but he's not coaching. Um, can I, can yeah. we have a quite, this is a very quick departure there, Shane Flanagan, there's a big push to get him coaching again in yeah. first grade. What is it with this fuck? Like, seriously, <laughs> he's done the wrong thing about eight times and he doesn't even want to serve this penalty. It took him ages to admit he'd ever did the wrong thing. Clearly did mm. on multiple occasions. And now he wants to coach a first-grade team before his penalty's up. And everyone's like, oh, maybe we should. No. No, I agree. Like, you're just... fucking, you've fucking cheated multiple times, mate. Yeah. You're lucky to be coaching again
1: ever yeah even as a, as an assistant, yeah no, I mean he can he can head off to to coach
0: in England or something mm. for a few years. Do you think he cheats at being an assistant as well? <laughs> Do you think he sort of gets one of those admin hacks or uses like weird apps from Russia?
1: I would have thought more, if anything, he would have, um, he would have cheated by, by incapacitating the head coach and just being the head coach in his place. I think he's done that already. <laughs> yeah, well, Paul, Mary- Paul McGregor looks a bit brain dead, Zander. I don't That's know if you've right. noticed that. He's seen his
0: press conferences. I'm I was, pretty sure he has hacked
1: him. I was going to say, you know, I, I'd wondered if maybe he'd been like slipping him something to just like, you know, chemically lobotomise him or something. You Again, know. you've described uh, Mary to a T. Apart tea. from the last, the last round, yeah. just putting a bit of hemlock in his coffee.
0: That is so Flanagan to do that. (laughs) I mean, this is amazing. Pulling the strings from behind the curtain. Uh, coin a cliche here, Flanagan's cheating is almost unprecedented, isn't it? Because he does things that I don't think even other coaches have dared to do in terms of like just coaching teams of secret covert emails with his own name on it. How amazing is that? He's not good at it, but he has the balls. Yeah, ballsies. Of an African elephant. (laughs) So does Mary now after the poison he gave him. (laughs) Um, Curable though Now uh, another theory strikes me Zender And that is uh, obviously there is a sense of foreboding Going into tonight's game between the Dogs and the Roosters The Roosters are in sublime form The Dogs uh, they had a a battle hardy victory last round Against St George But they have been doing it tough of late Is there a chance this whole thing's just a ruse And they're just trying to get out of the Roosters game They were hoping for it to be cancelled Because if that's true I say full credit to them For the ingenuity well, they would have got one point out
1: of the game. Um, exactly. Which, you know, I, I don't... I mean, this is going to age terribly if uh, somehow they score an upset, but <laughs> I don't see them getting... Uh, um, mate, put your giant African <laughs> elephant balls on the line. <laughs> I feel like I've just jinxed them. But, yeah, um, no, I, I, I can see that. I mean, and that might be a ruse. Like, maybe maybe the next time the Titans go up against the Melbourne Storm, they'll just have somebody with a false positive. That's <laughs> like right. All, they'll do a Josh Reynolds. And they'll they'll get a point
0: out of that game. <laughs> It strikes me as a tactic uh, because, you know, most of these teams struggle to score a single point in the match. So to walk away with a competition point would be quite admirable. A win. Mate, we'll probably go on to the next topic, uh, and that is uh, talking about one Latrell Mitchell. Week on week, Mitchell's been improving, I think it's fair to say, and I think he had his best game last round against the Titans. Now... Uh, most people do have their best games against the Titans. Um, they go on with about eight people. So it makes you a little bit better. But Latrell Mitchell did show a bit of class there, mate. He, I think he had one try, about three try assists. Where do you think he's tracking as a fullback at the moment? Yeah, it was definitely his
1: best game. I mean, again, albeit it was, it's hard to get a read on it because it was against the Titans. I did note that they were talking about how much improved he was at fullback. Um, in defence, I think, yeah, his positional play definitely improved. But I did notice that the, the tries he set up and... Scored. They were kind of out of centre, right? Mm. Like I, I thought, it was still kind of showed his, his strike at centre because he was, he was basically linking up with the wingers and putting away passes.
0: Yeah, he's and... playing a non-traditional fullback role at the moment, isn't yeah. he? He's not joining the line in the way a lot of fullbacks do. But by his own words, he's sort of saying, "I want to find my way in this new position in my way." Uh, I don't to, think he's to be out... a centre fullback. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not out to do the sort of cookie cutter approach. I think one thing about Latrell Mitchell is he doesn't follow the template. And that comes to virtually everything in his life, I think. So maybe there just might be a way for Latrell Mitchell to to find a sweet spot at fullback, but not in your sort of Billy Slater, James mm. Tedesco, you know, Tom Draboyevich roles. I don't know. He might end up developing his own little thing with the magical triangle there that they're talking about. That's uh, Cook, Cody Walker and yeah. Aaron Reynolds. Yeah. If they can gain that understanding, maybe they'll find their own way to get Latrell Mitchell into the game.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that was uh, like like we said. I mean, it, it was probably the the best example of 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 him playing in that kind of uh, I would say a hybrid fullback role. Mm. But that's kind of what has been suggested by a number of people. I think Johns and others have suggested basically playing him like that, where you 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 loop him in and out of different roles. You don't just have him as a as a hundred percent, as you say, cookie cutter traditional fullback. Mm. And that's kind of what it struck me as. Is in defensively he was he was quite busy, mm. but in attack he seemed to be playing kind of more like a centre link-up.
0: I mean, there was a time there where he juggled the ball and still managed to get the ball over the line. Like, he is class. Like, there's oh, yeah. one thing about him, that, and he put moves on, I think mm. it was Jai so mm. that's probably, again, not your typical centre, but he put a move on him that left him about eight metres away in the wind in about yeah, uh, half, half a second. So we know what he can do. I think the big criticism is still... Positionally in defence and the work rate that he's sort of mm-hmm. got in a fullback, we know that fullbacks generally cover the most ground. Latrell Mitchell's still not playing that type of fullback role. Sorry,
1: really. he was trying his ass off though. You could see that much. Like he was, mm-hmm. he was a lot busier um, this time, and he was knackered at the end of that game. Like yeah, they kind of shot to it at the end of it. And he's looking trimmer. Definitely um, is. Yeah, I agree. And I will say. Um, Props to, to Bennett and the science coaching staff for convincing him to, to
0: shave off that bum fluff moustache that he kept for so long. Do you think that's behind the improvement? I think it's part of it. I think yeah. it's part of it. Is there a chance that could be a physics thing where it's actually was slowing him down the bum fluff? Because we know <laughs> the, the wind resistance factor.
1: Yeah, I wonder about that. I, I, I think that's partially what uh, led to Katoni Stagg's game deteriorating uh, against Manly the other night as well. Same kind of moustache. It's just... Shave until you've got
0: a little bit of coarseness in the hair, boys. <laughs> I've got to say, the NRL players are just first rate when it comes to inappropriate and scummy looking facial hair, aren't they? Have you seen what Roger the Sheikh's carrying on about now? It's, uh, it's, yeah, yeah. it's basically looks yeah. like a. It's very wispy. Yeah, well, it's it's like someone who's got the, the tapiri hedge, yeah. and he's got like a hedge maze just underneath his chin. Yeah, it's, it's, f- it's unusual to look at. It's a weird thing. It's yeah. the core to Bin Laden, <laughs> um, which I think if you're going go to go the Bin Laden, go the whole way. <laughs> I mean, don't orchestrate a fucking terrorist <laughs> the whole say, way. Just clarify that for a yeah. I mean, in a you know, sort of a, a manscaping sense, Sandra. Um, I, I think the point of a Bin Laden is that you don't manscape. Just you let just, it let it be free. It's, it's 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 um yeah. It's more the tropics. I mean, it's an irony, isn't it, with Bin Laden that he, he would say he'd let his facial hair be free, but none of the women that he kept. No, they no. were far from free. It's, it's, Cognitive dissonance, I believe they call it. It's a uh, thing with right. religious people. Yeah, although they were free not to be his uh, bulletproof shields for about three seconds, and then he chose them. Oh, this uh, got dark. we got really <laughs> we really digressed big time. You know, you mentioned before, um, after the game, that he looked knackered, and one thing I noticed, he actually looked a little bit uh, emotional too. He, I think that game really meant something to Mitchell. He was looking down at his feet. He never really looked down the barrel of the camera once, and he just had that slight quiver in his voice that it... It actually meant something to him emotionally, mm. and maybe he has turned a corner. I think just chalking up a win and a solid performance, like I, he has been under a lot of pressure. Mm.
1: So I think he's, he's obviously... The, it's not like he hasn't been trying. It's just that he's been behind the eight ball a bit. It's been a very disrupted year for him. I mean, he did, did go over late. He copped a lot of criticism, um, obviously, just for the way it all happened. I mean, mm. you know, the, the sort of will he, won't he... Like fiasco with him and the Tigers, even though they were offering more money, etc., yeah. etc. And then when he brought the dirt bike and the shot, he's onto the field. Yes, yeah, well, the um, yeah, I mean, he shot Corey Thompson. The, he should never have done that. The the whole cobber thing, it was a bit of a storm in a teacup in the end, but it, it, you know, it it created just more controversy for him to have to deal with. Yep.
0: and I, so I imagine there's probably been a bit on his shoulders. You know, what are these litany of bad articles from Fox? Who knows if he wasn't looking down the barrel of the camera because he's a bit like, "Well, fuck you, mm. you're the guys that have written about 19 fabricated stories against me." Yeah, maybe. Maybe it was a protest. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't emotional at all. He just goes, "I'm not giving you my full attention." I mean, to be fair, it's not entirely Fox. It's it's um it's James Hooper. It's and... mainly, <laughs> but isn't, isn't he their chief NRO yeah. reporter? Something like that. It doesn't reflect just... well on the organization.
1: Is, is, he, is he actually the chief NRO reporter? I think so. Oh,
0: God, yeah. Jesus Christ! And he wears a little hat that says "Chief." Because he always wanted to be... Where um, his brain's supposed to be. <laughs> exactly, insert ear <laughs> yeah. when you get a chance. The pinnacle of that, wasn't it, was when he wrote that uh, expose <laughs> on Latrell Mitchell having a nice car. Oh, the, Well, I mean, he's had a
1: few exposés. I thought you were referring to the recent one about the, um, uh, the referee who had a second job. Um, yeah, well, I'm just you know, in terms of Mitchell. Like, like, like the scoops that Hooper gets. Man drives nice car. Man has other business the fuck
0: are you doing? You know, Hoops, a um, uh, little bit of a tip. These, these articles have actually got to have a, a beginning, middle and end. And they need to be about rugby league. Um, <laughs> it's really awkward. I know you've been here for years, but please try to keep it on brief. Yeah, I, I, Has I, anyone I, had that <clears> word with him yet?
1: I'd love to be. I, I don't think they have. Um, I mean, he is a big guy. Maybe they're just scared of him. That's why he didn't get laid off yet. He's uh, a classic meathead. Yeah. If yeah. You, when he, I hear him talk, his, sometimes his head
0: look, actually looks like a, a slab of spam. Yeah, I get that. And that sort of same pinkish complexion too. That would be a great nickname for him actually, Spam (laughs) Burger. Love it. Do you remember when Spam, I might be showing my age here, but we're the same age, so this should work. Uh, Although we have established you don't get the same cultural references. So maybe there won't be an alignment here. But when Spam made a big commercial push in the early 90s, their big thing was... Uh, get your spam in a burger, and they call it Spam Burger. And the big uh, slogan used to be Spam Burger, Spam Burger. Yeah, I do remember this actually. Yeah. God, and it, it lasted funny. about seven minutes because everyone went, This tastes like shit. Yeah, yeah. This is the worst pe- thing pe- of it. People remembered it was spam. Yeah, they go, What's my dog? <laughs> Pal, I'll have that, please. This thing's yeah. fucking awful. Dogs wouldn't eat it, the spam. No. And it was in that horrible triangular shape because it's just essentially congealed meat. Anyway, we have drifted, but uh, I won't ever have it again. That's for sure. Unless I fall on hard times again. Um, Unless we enter into a, another wartime uh, era
1: where food is hard to come by and you have to stock up and prepare for, well, you know, a global pandemic or something. No, oh, I'll
0: just shoot Hooper. He'll keep me in meat for months. <laughs> It'll be fresh. He'll keep. Yeah, there's plenty of blubber there. Look, a- apart from Mitchell, mate, where do you see Souths more broadly here? They are tracking towards the bottom of the ladder. I know they've got a win against the Titans. There's still a bit of question mark over their forward pack, isn't there? Because they've lost a lot of that forward power. They just strike me as a team, even though Cody Walker's come back and they looked a lot better in terms of direction when they had the ball, they sort of miss that middle thrust now, don't they? They do a bit, but when they get a roll on, because they do
1: have, I think, Reynolds, uh, like Walker's quite a direct uh, player when he's on. Mm. Um, He's a little bit more uh, inconsistent, I think, than the other uh, players. Well, I mean, than... Than uh, Cook and um, and Reynolds, yep. I think I think I think Walker and um, he's pretty consistent with the kung fu fly kick. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think Walker um, is 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 probably more reliant on, on that dominant forward pack than the other two somehow. Yeah. Like I mean, I know Cook Cook as well, but Cook is bloody strong in defence, surprisingly for a guy of his size.
0: I, um, I actually think Cook is the key to that side, hmm. and I actually think in, with the ball in his hand, he's been blunted this year a lot, and I think a lot of that hmm. is behind the lack of. Forward drive, and I'm just wondering under these new rules. You looked rules, effective against the Titans, to be fair. But again, yeah, less yeah. less of a forward. I'm talking about a first grade NRL <laughs> side, mate. My thesis is Souths need to get more second phase play and more offloads because we've seen teams like Parramatta, for example, uh, the Roosters, who have deployed that uh, offload tactic again with this fast play the ball. It seems to be you know a pretty good way to get your little guys through those little gaps. And someone like Damien Cook, he needs that broken play. He needs the forward momentum. And I don't think this year we've really seen him get that properly. I mean, mm. Damian Cook's a fabulous player, and, and he's just quite a few games now in a row where he hasn't been dynamic, and it just feels like he can't quite get himself into the game. I'm just wondering if they need to reevaluate the way the forwards are playing there. Maybe yeah. they need to take a few more risks. Yeah, no,
1: I, I think I think I think they have suffered a little bit from that. But I also do think that if they can get if they can they can just get a little bit more uh, consistency with their forwards, I think Cam Murray's been really good. Mm. Um, I do think that they still have a bit of grunt
0: there. I mean, they've got the lesser Burgess now. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, The lesser Burgesses. <laughs> That's South, but we should talk about the West's Tigers as well, mate. Benji Marshall, the great Benji Marshall, he got axed, uh, which is a bit of a shock for most people because... You know, I guess from the outside looking in, I thought he'd been playing pretty well. Yeah. Um, it's been isolated in the media this week that the reason behind the axing could have been to do with his defensive glitches. The, the stats actually don't look particularly friendly. I think he's missed six or seven tackles that have led to tries this year on that edge. But to be honest with you, I haven't really noticed that. I don't know if that's just me being uh, an ignorant NRL viewer, but for me, the Benji Marshall axing came out of left field. How did you see it? Yeah, I was
1: really surprised because, um, you know, they lost that game to the Titans, obviously, last week, which the Titans played bloody well, uh, to be fair. Um, But he set them up to win that game, like, kicking a crucial field goal in the 77th minute, and was by no means their worst player, like, not remotely. Um, And it wasn't like he was, it was his fault
0: that that last try got scored. No. So... And he did plenty of good things in that game. Yeah. So even if you were that, that, those defensive statistics bore themselves out and were accurate in terms of it was solely his fault because obviously sometimes those stats are a little bit misleading. He did so many great things with the ball, I thought. Still quite a few great short kicks. He, he didn't back away from getting his hands on the ball. He still handled a fair bit. I thought it was a, a mm. bit of a rough call. I'm wondering if this is a bit deeper for Madge. He was looking for something to maybe shock the system out there at the Tigers because, you know, there's a lot of talk about the club mm. lacking that little bit of steel uh, that clubs need to be a, a finals club and, and give the premiership a shake. They've always got a bit of talent, but the the knock on them has always been that they miss they lack a bit of steel. I'm wondering if Madge is trying to shock that into them. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the
1: the only kind of logical suggestion I've heard, heard as well is that it was more just to kick the entire side up the arse and, mm. and let them know that nobody's indispensable, you know, they did, they did put in a solid effort against uh, Canberra over, the, over um, their last game, but ultimately they lacked a little bit of creativity in the halves to
0: help them to, to carry on with it. So Look, Reynolds came yeah. in, and I thought he showed a great level of energy. I feel like when, when everyone describes Reynolds as having energy, it's almost some kind of quasi-insult, but I mean that in the nicest possible way. I thought Josh actually played quite well. Is there a chance Maguire... Josh into the team just because he's had such a shit run lately and he's gone you know what everything you do at the moment is turning to shit uh, how about I'll give you a bit of a first grade berth just for one week then you can go back to the reserves that don't exist yeah well you're right he, 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 he didn't hurt himself with that game I thought he actually was pretty good and mm.
1: he just had a pledge of a year the poor bloody red yeah maybe he just wanted to try the experiment maybe he, he'd seen some good good things at training I don't know it, it, it wasn't a bad game for him but a, yeah still still couldn't quite understand. That. I mean Marshall getting
0: asked for defense, yeah. here's my problem with that. Has he met Joey Lalua? <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. if anyone's going to get dropped yeah. on the defense, it's Lalua doesn't give a shit. He's the first person I've ever seen in a defensive line that occasionally just goes, "Nah, not gonna. Not yeah. gonna do it." He just looks sometimes it, it, you're
1: right, he kind of has this look where he 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 kind of gazes out at the, at the play expanding
0: mm. you know, to the wing. I think he's looking at the KFC branding. I think a lot of the times he's just distracted by you know fast food. Uh, yeah, that could be it as well. I mean, he, he does have that look in his face. He sees the ball going
1: out far, and instead of trying to run to keep up with the play and cover the players, he just kind of
0: goes, oh, that's a bit far. Oh, I didn't know there was running involved. <laughs> not, I'm I didn't not, sign up for that. not going to try. i going to conserve my energy. <laughs> And, you know, occasionally, like once every sort of six or seven games, he goes, I'm going to rip in today. Uh, because that's the reason he got let go from the Raiders. You know, Ricky runs a pretty tight ship there these days. And he put a rocket up, Lelua, and said, look, you need, your standards need to lift. And Lelua went, No. I I mean, that's you, from his own mouth. He came He came very close to
1: helping them, well, like putting them in front in the grand final last year. If he passes that ball, if he flicks it early.
0: Yeah, but instead he actually leaped the game, he, didn't he? He held onto it and went, let it go forward. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, it was his defensive miss which led to that final that's try. That's right. Um, but look, we could bash Lelua on all, all show. In fact, let's do that next show. <laughs> let's do 80 minutes of just bashing Joey Lelua. No, I want to actually pitch an idea at you here because there is a quandary out at the Tigers and that is that they've got three playmakers and only two positions, Xander. So you've got, obviously, Benji Marshall, you've got Luke Brooks and Josh Reynolds. Is there a composition here where the Tigers can get all three of these guys in the side at once? Because personally, I think that all three should play. I think all three are very good, are definitely first graders mm. who should be playing week in, week out. I don't think any of them are, are bad enough to be missing a first-grade team, especially out at the Tigers, who are struggling a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I was thinking maybe they could experiment with putting uh, Josh Reynolds maybe in a second row or lock, a bit like Braith and Astor in 2010. He had his best year when they finally got him out of the halves. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, it, If only Braith knew. <laughs> but, you, you know, you, you could do that with a guy with a body shape like Braith's, like you would with Fitler. Like he could play in the second mm-hmm. row. He's big enough. Did you do that with Josh Reynolds, he's, he's not a th-
0: small bloke though. He's
1: not small, but he's not. Is he a second row
0: type of player? I don't know. I mean, he's got that. Like, I almost feel like he. Yeah. I don't know. He, he, to me, he could potentially be a bit of a roving playmaker. That's what Braith and Astor's role sort of became in mm. 2010. He was a floating second five eight, essentially. Yeah. So he wasn't your textbook second row lock. Uh, but he, I mean, he's not as big as Braith, but he doesn't. He doesn't he's not diminutive either. He's not Damien Cook. He's not Damien Cook. Exactly. All oh, little poor little Corey Thompson. Who, by the way, a big shout out, Corey Thompson. Uh, you've officially fled the Tigers and headed up to the Gold Coast. God rest uh, the rest of your NRL career. <laughs> You've essentially retired, little Corey. But at least he will get a run, Xander, now in the first grade team, you'd hope. This is true. And yeah, maybe it's a good sign for Holbrook
1: as well. He's starting to get a few of the players that obviously he wants. I don't know why he wants. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love the way you're ripping on him. He's not even there yet. He hasn't got off the fucking tarmac at Cool and Gadda and you're already ripping on him. Uh, what if something horribly ironic happens to Thompson mm. and he finally gets there, he goes, All right, fuck you, Tigers, I can't get a run. And then Dale Copley keeps him out of the team. That'd be awful. <laughs> well, maybe it's maybe maybe Copley starts having to lift because <laughs> he's got someone breathing out his neck. You run, little Thompson. You run all the way there, my friend. We're going to move on at the moment now to, mate, something that's been bothering me. And that is about how players behave after matches. It's been brought up this week that maybe players in losing sides shouldn't be as happy after the game. We're seeing it a lot now, the images of players you know, laughing, slapping each other on the back, opposition players on the back, going, well done, mate. When they've been done by 40, Xander, they should be fucking ropeable. They should be angry. They should be borderline pulling out a razor out of their boot and looking to slit the throats of the oppositions. They should be doing a little bit of peaky blinders. I know I probably take things a bit far, but for me, they're not showing enough mongrel. Do you think there's enough mongrel in the modern-day NRL player? I mean, I don't think we should call it the modern day. I swear, I've heard this conversation for twenty years, and I'm sure people older than us
1: have probably heard it for longer. Um, I'm sure there's always been players who are a little bit too uh, chummy after games, and probably goes to show why those sides aren't higher on the table. Mm. Like I think, I think the teams who take a loss worse probably are the ones who who are drilled a little harder, and also know they're going to cop it a bit more from their coach, right? Yeah, because they've got higher standards. I mean yeah it's 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 really just down to um the discipline and 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 ambition
0: of the sides I don't think it's a new thing I think it's been around forever but you so what you're saying is it is actually reflective of mm. the attitude of the team so yeah, if you're yeah. seeing if you're seeing players who look too happy after a big defeat that's a bad sign for your club isn't it
1: yeah I I would be worried mm. uh, if 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 it happens often and they're just you know, having a laugh afterwards. They're just not that invested. Mm. What would you
0: like to see as opposed to an affable laughing player in a losing team? Would you like to see them uh, nonplussed? Would you like to see them angry? Or would you like to see them violent? I'd like to see them genuinely a little bit pissed off or or at least upset. Like
1: I saw it um, recently when we saw James Graham... Last week, after the the dragons oh, went yeah. down, and, and yeah, he, he was, gets upset. He, he that's took, why I love the man. Yeah, he took it. He took it personally, and
0: you can tell the that guy well, wants. So to he win. should. It's basically his fault. He's not playing well. <laughs> he he gives a lot. I he tries say. hard. He, he, he he's got a heart of a lion. He puts. He's in. just got
1: the legs of a goldfish. Yeah, yeah. He struggles a bit at, at times, but he puts in like nobody else. You you wouldn't ever uh, you know doubt him for effort, right? But yeah, you want to see somebody who. <sighs> It means a fair bit too, right? And yeah. and you don't see the Melbourne Storm or the Roosters or, or a lot of those sort of sides when they lose getting chummy with the opposition afterwards. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's all gross of your kin- mates yeah. and all that
0: kind of stuff. I'm not knocking that, but right after a drubbing, hmm. look a little fucking disappointed.
1: Yeah, i got to say, you didn't see Brisbane looking too chummy after um, after yeah. the 59 <laughs> zip belting they caught from the Roosters. Except for Darius
0: Boyd. He seemed like he didn't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, he just, I mean, I guess for him, he's like, oh, fuck it, it's my final year. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm okay to let in eight. I didn't mind. How bad's that combination, by the way? Darius Boyd and Milford, they I both know. look so disinterested. They yeah. talk about there's major structural issues and, mm. and cultural issues up at the Broncos, but it's really not. It's Darius Boyd and Milford leading in 90 tries a game. Mind you, there's been a fair bit written about, I
1: mean, that, that is a problem, but their recruitment, more broadly, there's been a fair bit written about and the fact that their chief recruitment officer has, you know, used to work at a pub, I think we talked about last <laughs> week. Like he was like his qualification, literally, the only one he has is an RSA. He was a settlement. Um, yeah, like... And- Jeez, how did he
0: talk his way into that job? How did the interview go? Yeah, don't know, but like pretty uh, good with the kegs. I heard, and, yeah, um, oh, I know the difference between a draft and a pilsner, and um, I watched. You're hired. Yeah,
1: but but I heard Talis talking. Uh, I think on Triple M a couple of weeks ago about it, and he was saying, yeah, you know, a lot of it's just quite rotten, and it seems like it's it's funny because uh, the, some of the cultural stories you hear out of Brisbane are. Um, interesting uh because context would just change the way they reported on right like so if they were really successful under Seabold, i'm sure you'd there'd just be such a different spin on all all of this stuff but one of the one of the things in particular i found interesting is the fact that they seem like Se- Seabold seems to have really frozen out a lot of the old broncos sort of stalwarts yeah like apparently right. they used to have this whole thing where the they would have like the old boys would always come in and they'd get involved in the club and that's like not much of a thing, they feel like they're on the outer and there's only a few core group members who are there mm. and the the new more corporate sort of headquarters, their decision to go with Seabold and his Harvard education over the old trusted Walt uh, Kebby Walters, yeah. all that stuff. You know, if they had been kicking ass, like they'd be like, Oh, you know, the the tough decisions that Broncos made to get yeah, the know, coach t- of the new era. Yeah, yeah, decided to to issue the um the, the sentimentality of the past and focused on data and you know new ways of thinking and he's clearly yeah. b- born for it. But now it's just like, well, he's given up on the tried and true method. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you could just see that like it's totally. those, those signals just get interpreted They're in. They're called the James ways. Hooper narratives, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it can
0: only go one of two ways. And yeah. it always is dependent if you're winning or losing. Yeah. They're the only real variables that matter. Uh, but look, there is some uh, unusual decisions going on there yeah. though t- from Anthony Sebold Namely, we should talk about this briefly. The letting go of Andrew McCulloch yeah. on a weird loan system to the Knights, okay, that's a bit of a weird one when you you haven't got a lot of experience up there. But then they went and bought Isaac Luke this week. Yeah, I saw that. That was um, so not exactly yeah. someone who's a spring chicken, Xander. Yeah, well, maybe
1: they see one of the things they do lack is uh, experience, right? And I, I, I this do... is the youth policy of the Broncos. Isn't well, it? so and this is another point that's that's uh, been made a, a number of times with other clubs, but. When Trent Robinson brought in Kronk, uh, I don't think you didn't even know if they, they thought he was going to be there, like, you know, they were going to go back to back. I think they brought him in purely for cultural reasons. They wanted somebody who'd who been successful, had a great work ethic, had, had been around the yeah, track. It's a bit of pressure if you bought someone and go, now we want back to back, please. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, right? You know, but like that was like that, the intent was really just, I think, to get somebody in who would improve the standards of the place sure. and calm the, like, basically provide a calming force of experience mm. and, and, um, You know, just obviously also his tactical and and intellectual insights as well. But So I wonder if the Broncos, having noted that they are so short in experience, which Seabold and his media team went out of their way uh, to explain. (laughs) They
0: went and sent a press release out explaining. Massive red flag there. Yeah, just like, oh. That's an unusual one. So setting up, we're your getting out ahead of it. Um, yeah, getting ahead of the losing spin. Yeah, they had that one ready by <clears throat> halftime, apparently. Um, yeah. But that, that's a bit of a reflection of the corporate mentality, isn't it? Yeah, It's well, far from old school.
1: It, yeah, you're right. It is. It's there. There are media people there that are clearly we're, we're trying to you know da- like basically get into damage control early. But I, I think I think that might be part of it. They wanted to get you know Isaac Luke. Obviously, he has been around for a long time.
0: It's been a while since he's played consistent first grade, though, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so that this, I, I'm, I'm taking a really long time to get here. I appreciate it. So no, can, go for you it. You can probably edit this. They, they seem like they're a little bit de- like they've worked it out too late that they Ooh. need somebody who can perform that role. Now, well, they've basically taken any experienced player they could find, even if they're not a consistent first grader or. <laughs> or in the best form.
0: It just seems like the ultimate backflip, Yeah, it? It's yeah. sort of like, oh, you know, youth policy, Andrew McCulloch, you know, you've been here for too long and they've let go about another five guys hmm. and they're getting pummeled now and they've gone, ooh, I think we'll take <laughs> Uh what, what are you doing, Wally? Uh, Noel Kelly, what are you... Oh, can't do that. So I do, I do want to go back very briefly to wrap up this segment about uh, whether or not players are angry enough after the game. And I'm wondering, I want to pose a question to you, Xander. Are there any more genuine hatreds in the game. Should coaches be trying to get players to to have these hatreds of other teams?
1: I don't think you need to try with some of them. I think... <laughs> <laughs> Souths and Roosters are pretty, pretty easy. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, like the, there is definitely not too many um, smiles and uh, laughs after those games. That's rugby
0: league getting it right, mate. <laughs> that's what I love about it. I think Storm and the Sharks. Yeah, I think there's plenty that where there's genuine feeling. Mm. I know that there were a lot of coaches of years gone by, mate, that used to actually practice and nurture the idea of hating and getting angry at your opposition. And we mentioned Tommy Radonikos. He used to do the slap method. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. I've seen, to, I've seen the footage. Yeah, get all the players and start beating each other around like your Ike Turner for 20 minutes. I'm wondering if we should bring something similar back. I don't know if you're familiar with the film Braveheart, but they had that uh, prima nocta policy uh, where you can actually sleep with the players' wives for one night if you beat them. For example, let's say you've lost to James Graham's side, and then suddenly James Graham had access to your wife for a night, you're going to really fucking be not happy at full time. Yeah, do the wives get a say in this? Because I feel like we're going a little bit backwards it's socially. <laughs> it's Braveheart, mate.
1: It's a Braveheart policy. <laughs> it's, so it's basically a, a Middle Ages
0: uh, slightly, well, you're it's, right. not, it's, not, not, gonna, it's, it's not a not progressive gonna, policy. It's, as it's not going kind to of mesh it. well in the Me Too climate, uh, but it, it's more of a Scottish thing. I don't know if you know this, but um, Sean Connery was quite the, the female abuser. I think, I've, I, I think feel like I've mentioned that on the podcast before, which is yeah, a weird he, thing to double up on. He's mentioned it on the podcast, I believe. <laughs> what if you put dog shit on the mouth guards? Would that get players angry? Like, yeah, should but, the coach smear do, them in do dog yeah. feces?
1: But, you know, do you just do it to all the teams? Are they just going to be pissed off? Or are they just going
0: to be sick They're just the going to be pissed off generally, aren't they? Oh. We'd all lose. You've got your mouth full of dog shit. You're not going to be happy. <laughs> No, this is true. Um, it's an astute observation. <laughs> Thank you, mate. I really appreciate it. Now, listeners, uh, this has been a bit of an interesting session because Zeta and I try to wedge this show in right before the Roosters-Bulldogs game start. Now, that is a couple of minutes away, mate. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wrap us up. And you wanted to talk very briefly about this new rebranding Brisbane bid. Yeah, so it came out uh,
1: what last week, the Brisbane Firebird. Cutting-edge news here on the potty. Exactly. Ten right, days like old. Just... We got it. <laughs> But it kind of, you know, flew off the the press. I like it, you know, flew under the radar and hot off the press. Um, (laughs) The team is called the Firebirds. (laughs) Just great. Correct correct
0: me if I'm wrong. These are the birds that spread sticks during a bushfire? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. To to basically spread the fire. So prey get out of like short grasslands Mm. and things like that. And then they have like a, a posse of their mates kind of waiting Have on they the edges
0: possibly not read the room very well in Australia <laughs> with that particular faunal emblem well you know what like it it, <laughs> it is um it, it
1: has copped a little bit of criticism mm. but at the same time like those those birds are actually incredibly intelligent predators so mm. it's a unique symbol yeah but so the, are
0: some arsonists mate <laughs> um, I'm not sure if we want uh, the
1: Brisbane arsonists but but, but but arsonists aren't predators. They're mostly just head cases. These, these birds are engaging in arson strategically. Mm. They're more like napalm bom- bombers in, in, in World War. Uh, or you know, in the Vietnam War, rather. Um, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> so we're effectively... Uh, war try- crimes. <laughs> the <laughs> Brisbane war crimes. <laughs> which, not That's too dissimilar match. to the bomber. Like, it, it's, it's like the bombers, but it's got a indigenous species, which I like.
0: I like it because the are the bombers. Uh, they've got like the emblem of the guy who looks a bit like Charles Lindbergh. Yeah, but they're yeah. bombers, which by, I don't think Lindbergh ever dropped bombs on anything, did he? he? Just sort of crossed the Atlantic Ocean and had sort of aviation feats. That's right, and um, lost a kid. <laughs> That's right, he had a kid murdered. Thanks for bringing down the podcast again, Zander. Um, after you did so well in bringing us out after, <laughs> after I did this one <laughs> to get it dark again <laughs> but you know um, they've already got a murderer on their emblem is what I'm saying why not a firebird spreading yeah, bushfires I, I
1: mean at least an animal is um, not somebody you can take to The Hague on that
0: very bleak note thank you very much for listening to The Voluntary Tackle it has been a very express edition we hope you're all well and we'll all speak to you soon